This podcast and actually my business wouldn't be as pretty if it weren't for our friends from Musicbed. Find the perfect song for your films with a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a Wedding Bossness listener, you could get your first month of subscription free or 20% off of a single song purchase. Just enter the promo code WEDDINGBOSSNESS when you check out. Or just click on the link in the show notes. Managing your cash flow during a crisis. Peter Drucker said, Entrepreneurs believe that profit is what matters most in a new enterprise. But profit is actually secondary. Cash flow matters most. New entrepreneurs may see profit as a marker of a successful business, but cash flow is what keeps the lights on. This is a more accurate marker of your company's success in the early stages than the amount of money you bring in, as profit only tells part of the story. Welcome to the Wedding Bossness Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Santiago. If this is your first time listening, you should consider subscribing because this is the podcast for you, especially if you're focused on creating an effective system for your wedding business more than the aesthetics and the design part. I mean, yeah, it's definitely part of it, but what's the point if the likes and the follows don't turn into dollar signs, right? I'm just obsessed with the process. And just like you, I want to learn from the source, the people that the best in the industry learn from. That's the quality of the guests you'll meet here. Bossness is defined as proving your doubters wrong by doing everything right. And this podcast is dedicated to exactly that, finding the formula to run a successful wedding business. Can you tell that that's all I think about is just running a business and <laughs> and earning money? <laughs> Colin R. Davis said, the road to success and the road to failure are almost exactly the same. So yeah, the margin of error is really, really slim. The episode with Michelle Loretta is coming right up. This is the Wedding Boston's Podcast. Hey, Michelle, thanks for being on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I, I know you're super busy and I really appreciate this. So I yeah. thank you so much for doing Oh, it's, it's always fun talking with you. So thank you for having me. As soon as, as soon as this whole thing happened, I looked at my bank account and you're the first person I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need to email I love her that. now. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I, I know several people that have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, okay, before we start, I would love it if you tell us um, how you got into the industry and what you're up to right now. Yeah. So, well, I got into the industry in 2004 uh, with the stationary design business. Before that, I had I'd studied accounting in college. I worked at Deloitte right out of college. And so that's how I got my accounting and finance background. I also worked in sales and marketing. I was a merchandiser for coach. Um, and yeah, so 2004, I started a wedding stationary design company. And that's how I got into industry. And then in 2009, I started writing Sage Wedding Pros business blog. At, the, at that point, it was only a business blog. 
sharing advice on how to have a more profitable and sustainable, operationally sustainable business in our industry. And, um, and then over time, people wanted to hire me to create financial strategies and business plans for their event businesses. And so that's how I've, I've come full circle, melding my, you know, my finance background with my wedding industry um, and event industry background. And, and so that's what I primarily do these days is I do business planning for event businesses and then also financial strategy consulting for event businesses. I remember you just finished your, um, your event recently, right? Oh, it- yeah. So in February, we had BCH conference. So yeah, last time we talked, we had just finished that up. So yeah, we produce an annual conference. It's, it's targeted towards experienced business owners. So typically people that have been in business at least five years tends to be around 10 years in business. I feel like the challenges of a business owner at that level are completely different from a startup business. And so you have staff, you have payroll, you have, you know, scaling challenges, trying to figure out how to get to that next level or how to spin off your business into other opportunities. And so that's what the conference is about. And we were in the midst of planning 2021 when all of this happened. And so we're kind of on a little bit of a hold to see like everybody, right? Like everybody's on a holding pattern to see, What's going to happen? Um, you know, where are people going to be at? What are their needs going to be at next year? It's a little bit hard to to kind of know what those needs are right now. So we, we put it on hold. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how things kind of evolve in the next few months. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I got really nervous once. Um, once it started, I was okay because we kind of like we're kind of good with our finances. At least we're not trying to spend too much. That's good. why I feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. But then as soon as they extended and they showed us the results, I'm like, Oh man, this is, this doesn't look good. This is going to be longer than expected. Mm. How do you feel about, how do you feel about when that happened? What, what do you feel is, should be the first thing that people do when it comes to their finances? Yeah. So the biggest challenge right now is timing, right? You know, initially the first announcement that came through, we thought, well, maybe we'd be looking at like two or three months right now. We don't know. There are experts that are telling us this could go on for a longer period of time, regardless of what that timeline is. What we, what we kind of know is that we're going to be facing this initial right now where we're all in, in, in isolation What's likely going to happen is that there's a transition window of, who knows, six months where there's an adjustment to how we can group, how we can gather, right? right? So right now we can't gather at all. And then events are likely going to be where we can maybe gather 10 people, 20 people. We don't, we don't know, right? But it's unlikely that we're going to be able to jump back into two or 300 people events until we kind of see what this virus is doing and whether it resurfaces or not, right? So all of those unknowns are, you know, impacting our businesses. So to feel a greater control right now, because right now we, we feel, a lot of us feel financially out of control because we are looking at our finances and the fact that we have deposits or um, final payments that are maybe being pushed out, or we may have had events in April and May or June and now they're being pushed out to the fall or 2021. Um, we're feeling a loss of control, not really knowing when we're going to see that money, how often we're going to have to push those dollars out. So uh, something that I encourage, I'm encouraging a lot of people to do is to line up your payments. So create like a, 
you know, a, a spreadsheet that shows cash coming in, all of your payments, April, May, June, July, August, and see where those payments are coming in and, and see what happens. And I move these payments from April to October or November. What does that do for my cash balances, right? So this is called a cash flow planning spreadsheet. I actually, I have a free one that I can share with your audience. We can kind of share it in the comments afterwards. I think that'll be really helpful for people to see. Um, it's, it's an interesting process because it's, it, you know, sometimes the information is scary looking at it, but at least you know, right? Like not knowing is worse. And um, it gives you an idea of what is it that you have to make up, right? If you input all your numbers and you see that in July you fall short $20,000 to be able to cover your expenses, it gives you a, a frame of reference. Like, okay, I got to go hustle. I got to figure out how to get deposits, $20,000 of deposits for next year in the next three or four months, right? Because inquiries are still coming in. That, that's the good news. Maybe even if it's not at the same rate that we're used to, there are people that are going through this planning process because they're, they're home and they want to work on their wedding that they wanted to plan for next year, right? Um, it can also help us kind of make decisions in terms of what we may need to get from SBA. We can talk a little bit about the different you know, options that may be available for us through the government. But, okay. Yeah, cash flow. You have to start your cash flow in order to have a better idea of what your gaps are. Okay. So, okay. Now I wonder. I'm wondering what what should people, um, what should people do to improve their income? Yeah. So in terms of income, you know, you want to rethink your payment structures with your clients and it really kind of depends on the segment people are in planners and designers who are actively working on executing an event long before they deliver the actual service. They have an easier time being able to justify consistent payments, right? So let's say you're a wedding planner and they, the client was getting married in April and they move their wedding till October you have an easier time saying, hey, I've already planned 90% of your wedding. I realize we're moving it, but I want to make sure that I'm getting this payment now. And then we can talk about the final 10% in the new date, October. There's certain segments, like so if you're in video or you're a DJ or um, you're a cake person, right? Like anything that is delivering a final service on the day has a harder time justifying that. So you have to be creative. I'm encouraging people like put people on a monthly payment plan, right? So Maybe, maybe that $5,000 that you were expecting to come in May is now being pushed out to November or 2021. Work with the client and say, hey, I realize that we have this $5,000 that's due. Can we split this up into monthly payments? It's being sensitive to the fact that that client may want to break up their payments. It's working with whatever financial constraints they may be personally feeling because of the economy or their own jobs. And then it's ensuring that you're getting cash flow coming in for the next whatever it is, six months nine months, however long um, these payments are being pushed out. So it's about being creative with those payments that are being pushed out, whether it's monthly installments or breaking it up into three or four payments. Each client is different and you have to take into account those needs. If you're feeling somebody that's very vulnerable, you want to work with them, to be quite honest. If they're not feeling comfortable parting with that money, you need to listen to that. You need to see also what's happening in other industries, right? Um, because asking for things like change fees and increased, you know, rates for 2021, that's a really challenging conversation to have when other industries are giving people 
accommodating, you know, change fees and things like that. So flexibility, my rule right now is be flexible and generous, balancing your business needs, right? So splitting the payments up into 12 months or a monthly installment plan is something that works in generosity to the client, but also is ensuring that your business is able to survive um, the cash crunch in the upcoming months. So how do you feel about um, the spending? Um, how do you feel about the clients right now? Are they, I don't know if you've heard a lot of, you know, people spending right now or not spending. How do you, what's, what's the news? on? Yeah, that? it's weird. I think um, something for us to keep in mind is yes, there are people that are definitely feeling economically nervous. But there's also a lot of people that they work in industries that are not experiencing what we are, right? So we have to be careful not to project our economic insecurities onto all of our clients because there are people who work in other industries that aren't feeling it. Everyone is feeling right now the impact of the isolation of, you know, uh, health, you know, scares and, um, and what's happening to us socially, everyone is in that same place, but economically, not everyone is losing their jobs. Not every, you know, there's people who work in, you know, pharmaceutical industry and medical industries and health industries and insurance. And there are lots of fields that right now are doing okay. You know, technology is, is somewhat okay still depending, I guess, on the segment of technology. Um, So there are certain segments that are not feeling that. And so we have to be careful not to, project our vulnerabilities on them. So if a client, we don't need to go in making concessions, not really knowing where that client is. Right. And so if you get inquiries, it's likely because they're in a point in time where like they're at home with a lot of free time on their hands without a boss breathing down their neck. They've got time to plan this wedding that maybe they've been putting off because they've been too busy. And if they're sending you an inquiry, it's because they are ready to plan their wedding and you should be very open to that money being potentially coming in okay yeah uh, so i i've been reading up on because diff- there's two different uh sides to what i've been reading on some people are saying that this is the perfect time to implement a new pricing model and others are like stick stick to what your your yeah. prices are how do you feel about yeah. that so for you know uh, well i think we have to separate two camps right so anybody that's currently on the books um for 2020 and if they're being pushed out i don't know if i would recommend if they're being pushed out to 2021 hiking their prices that's okay imagine as a consumer if your airline uh came to you and said oh yeah sure um if you want to push out your ticket to january you can but the price of that ticket is now not 300 but 500 we would be pretty mad. (laughs) So you have to look and see what's happening in other industries. Other industries aren't necessarily charging for that yet, right? Like within a certain window of time, right? Um, For 2021, you should definitely be examining your prices as you would any other year, to be quite honest. Now, all that being said, we are dipping into a recession. After all of this is done, the, the, you know, the economic landscape is going to look very different. And so my my recommendation is you should be adjusting your prices as you would every year. And every year I do recommend that people increase their prices. But in having conversations with people, you're going to be able to see how much your market can bear, to be quite honest. Um, 
if you were in a situation where you were needing to raise your prices because you're not economically thriving in your business under normal circumstances, then you have to, right? Um, but if you're in a point in time or a place in your business where you are thriving, you may want to examine like, well, maybe this is a year where I don't do that big boost that I always do of 10%. Maybe I'll just keep it at 5%. Maybe I'll wait and see. Um, and you kind of have to, I don't know. I think you have to kind of feel where people are at to be quite honest. Um, at the same time, like I said before, if someone is inquiring about a 2021 event, I don't think you need to be you know, discounting or doing anything different in terms of your pricing until you can gauge what that landscape is. Okay. So how, cause I feel like right now people are starting to discount their prices. Mm. I'm not sure if that's healthy for the industry mm-hmm. or not. How do you feel about that part or have you been encountering? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of discounting in general because I feel like it's really hard to regain that. So Uh, You know, in the last recession, I saw this too. That was a natural tendency where people were struggling with business. And okay, let me give you some real talk. If you're struggling in business, you're going to do what you have to do. Like that's the reality, right? And in some point in time, it could uh, lend to people discounting. But as a rule, I'm not a very big fan of that. I'm much more of a fan of like, yes, I realize this. Let's add something on, let's extend our service, or I'm happy to, you know, give you a couple extra hours, or I'm happy to, if you're, you know, talking, you know, working with the planner, maybe it's, you know, overseeing a rehearsal and not charging for that or a brunch or something like that. I'm much more a fan of like throwing some added service in as opposed to discounting. Because what happens with discounting is a lot of times people get to a point that they're discounting and they're not really making any money in their business. And this industry has such low margins and low profitability rates that discounting your services, you're going to be out of business. You're not going to be able to, you know, pay yourself. Um, so again, you know, as a rule, try to find other options. The reality is during a recession, you are going to make concessions that you may not normally, but I wouldn't immediately go to discounting as, you know, that first place. I would, what, something I would do though, is I would definitely re-examine the services that you offer. Right. So in the last five years, um, like with photography and video, what I've seen is like the one price, like we start at $10,000 and it, it's throws all of this in and then you can go from there higher and higher. Right. With planning, it's, we only offer full service planning. Right. And so a lot of people got rid of those entry level services this may be a time where you have to reintroduce an entry level service. And that's going to be something different from every segment of the market, right? So in wedding planning, it it would be event management or month of coordination, right? With photography and video, it may be a service where, um, you know, maybe with photography, you're not offering an engagement shoot, right? It's only, you know, six hours of shooting instead of a full day of shooting, right? So, so that's something that in recession people need to be realistic is having an, an entry level service so that people can come in at an easier price point if people's budgets are being impacted because of the economy. That's much more realistic in my opinion than discounting. Don't sell your $10,000 service for $6,000. That's bananas. Okay. Yeah, and I think yeah. um, to kind of piggyback off of that too, um, 
I can see the events also evolving to more of elopements, maybe. Yes. Um, smaller events. So maybe that could be, I mean, for some of the vendors um, to kind of come up with an elopement package for maybe weekdays or something or, like, you know, yes. people or less. <laughs> yes, right. Like we have to kind of rethink what we're selling because there's going to be elopements. There's going to be smaller events. It's going to be if you only have, you know, 10 people gathering for a dinner, there's not going to be dancing. It's going to be a three hour celebration. Right. And so you are going to have to think of like, what is that smaller, you know, service that you're offering somebody, um, whether it's an elopement or an intimate wedding. Um, and you know what, to me, I feel like a lot of times we, we see this as like something really frustrating that we have to go through in our business, but when you introduce constraints into a business model, what ends up happening is we end up forcing ourselves to be more creative and creating something out of nothing, which is where like so many wonderful opportunities end up happening for our businesses and our industry and things like that. So something like to give an example, something that came from the last recession, 2008 to 2010, this is where we saw all of these trends of like barnyard weddings. The DIY movement grew out of that. Like, so all of these DIY tutorials and vendors, people made a lot of money off of the DIY segment of the market because of that need for people to cut back on budgets. Mason jars, like the style and the trends become so much more at that, at that point it was like how to have a very like simple rustic chic wedding. Shabby chic came out of, you know, the economy collapsing. Right. And you may have seen, you know, $200,000 weddings with shabby chic and it was very much so that people didn't seem flashy. Right. And so we're going to see that again. We, it's not going to be shabby chic, but it's probably going to be, you know, more minimal styling. It's kind of been trending towards that anyways. Um, but now we're going to see it even more like very streamlined tables, right? There's going to be a huge movement to intimate weddings. People are already being thinking of, okay, well, we're 30 closest people that we want to get together to celebrate. And so that constraint of a smaller event is going to force us to be more creative. But I think if you spend time right now or we're slow thinking of the possibility of our businesses to evolve into something else, it can actually be really a cool opportunity for us to explore stuff, right? Like with video, like what would like be kind of cool to like shoot elopements because you can get so much more action, you know? Yeah. Like and the bride and groom running through a forest and it's just the two of them and they meet up with, you know, like, I mean, you can really create like cinematic value there that you may not be able to do when you're dealing with a hundred guests. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then also like adding to that, if we g get back into shooting weddings, I don't think we're comfortable filming a 200 person wedding yet. Right. Like, right. Yeah. It's like that right now. <laughs> No, and that's something that's important for us to consider. It's like, it's not just the guest, it's, it's our own health and safety and staff and, and people like that, right? So we have, we have a responsibility, we have a social responsibility to lots of different yeah, people involved. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the, the main concern I had when all of this started was I have, I have a bunch of friends who just gave up their full-time job to their day job to hop into full-time into their business and you know they're so happy they're so excited but now like for everyone in general it's just the future's just so you know it's so blurry yeah How, i don't know what what's your advice 
to yeah to what's your advice to them especially now that they this is their first year supposedly to become their as a full-time business owners yeah um well hopefully they jumped out with some cash squirreled away because you know crisis or not this is a business that the only way you're going to be um you know, recession proof. There's no, like events are not recession proof. The only way to be recession proof is to have some cash savings in your business and your personal finances too. But, but definitely within your business, you can, you know, pay your payroll. You know, I'm going to be honest there. I think we need to be real in this industry of the fact that we may need to be picking up other jobs. Um, and so if somebody has just left a full-time job, it may mean that they need to go back and, and do some consulting for that business that they, they used to work for, especially if it was an industry that's, that's not vulnerable or look for a 10 hour a week part-time job. Nobody's talking about that in this industry, but I think people need to be real and they need to hear that, that we're in a situation where we don't know what's going to happen. And right now it's about putting food on the table. And if that means we need to go shop for Instacart or Amazon or whatever it is, do it. You have to, you have to. I mean, I've been the queen of like miscellaneous jobs in my 16 years of being an entrepreneur. I'm fortunate that I haven't had to in the last 10 years, but the last, the first five, six years of my business, I did all sorts of crazy jobs on the side. And I'm not, I'm not above that. Even at 16 years in experience, if I have to go do that, I have to go do that. I have a short list of my own and it's like, okay, what am I going to do <laughs> if I'm in this, you know, situation in another six, nine months? That's the reality. We need to have that real conversation in this industry because people aren't talking about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as soon as it happened, I, I immediately, you know, people started to say pivot, pivot, pivot. And I was like, okay, There's no when, pivot. <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> uh, when, when is the right time to pivot? Right. So what, how do you, like basing it off of your finances yeah when are you when should you start thinking about pivoting or diversifying yeah so pivots in this industry are kind of hard right it's not like if you're a wedding planner it's not like you can all of a sudden start planning parties for the people you live with right there's there's not a service that you can pivot from um a true pivot is something that follows your business model and allows you to make income with small tweaks, right? So like restaurants, a high-end restaurant that all of a sudden is like pickup and delivery, that's, that's a pivot that they made, you know, a fancy restaurant that's now making bagels. That's, that is a pivot because they're still providing the same service, but maybe from a, for a different market that's got a more streamlined operational model. Realistically, in our industry, the pivots that we're looking at are things like elopement services, and right, those are the pivots, but we're not even there yet where we can offer an elopement service, right? Um, I, would, I would encourage people to explore um, servicing other industries, right? So if you're in video, I know some people that are exploring um, virtual home tours. That makes, you know, that makes absolute sense. Again, within the clause of social distancing, people have to be out of the home, make sure everything's safe, right? But there may be other industries that you can do, like portrait photographer may be able to do, um, you know, food photography or product photography, like send me your products and I'll shoot, right? So um, I don't know if I would call that a pivot per se, but I would call that 
trying to service another industry that you've never worked for before, right? Um, that's something that everyone in our industry should be exploring. A little bit harder to do for certain segments. Again, event planning, you're very limited to, to that, right? Um, so those are the things that pivots that make sense. Um, in terms of, you know, your greater question, when should people be looking for outside jobs? Um, you have to look at that cash flow, right? So in the beginning, when I talked about lining up your payments and see how long will your cash get you through, if you start to see your payments line up and your expenses going out and you see that you start to fall, you know, short of cash in September, October, you may right now, you may be in a situation in September, October, I can likely make it up by September, October, but that to me is a red flag that in July, I need to be paying attention because if the dollars are still dipping in September, October, I may want to pound the pavement and start finding a part-time job to help supplement some of that income that I've lost in my business. The other thing is like once events really start kind of picking back up, the operational need for people to help each other out is going to be huge. So even if you've lost business in January, February, March, hopefully when all these events start picking up, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't able to service all their clients because they're booked and the, hopefully you're going to be getting more referrals and things like that. So the need to look for another job, hopefully it's temporary to be quite honest. I don't think it's something that people need to be exploring long-term job solutions, but but I think people need to be very realistic that that may be a situation they need to be thinking about. At yeah, least plan B. C yeah. or D or E or F. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because this is unprecedented. So the, people have been saying that it, no one knows when it's going to end. It's the virus that's going to tell us when it's going to yeah. end, right? So yeah, it's really important to consider everything. And I feel like, the, the best way to make money or at least increase your income is to spend less, right? With, with your yes. expenses. How do you feel about what should people prioritize when it comes to their expenses? Yeah. So with expenses, um, you know, I know everybody's been cutting things out of their budget, which is great. Like go through those subscriptions that you're not really using at capacity or you're not spending on gas and, and meals and entertainment and networking events and things like that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily cut out your marketing budget. I don't think that's wise. Um, I would be looking at which ones give you the greatest return. So let's say you invest in five different advertising things, be real about what each one of those is bringing you. And if there are some of uh, some of those advertising things that you were already kind of thinking on the fence of, you know, cutting out, then that's something that maybe you should explore, but don't cut out all of your marketing and publicity and things like that, because you're going to need to attract business more than ever in the upcoming months. So that's usually the one that I tell people, like, don't cut that out entirely. Be intentional with how you're spending those dollars and be a realistic, but don't cut that out entirely. Um, other things I wouldn't be cutting out, you know, I wouldn't be cutting out, I mean, clearly not tax people or bookkeepers and things like that. I know that, you know, if you have a bookkeeper involved, that may seem like a big expense right now, but it's just going to catch up with you in the long run. If you don't have that financial information, if you don't really know what your dollars are doing, you're going to, you're going to feel crippled in a few months without really having that information of how your finances are going. Um, the big ones are, you know, 
paying for the things that you're already being a little bit wasteful on, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When I, uh, I'll, I'll speak personally, like the things that were easy for me, I went through and I realized like, well, you know what? I'm not even like social media scheduling to me. That's something that I cut out because I'm posting in real time right now. I, I feel like it was hard for me to schedule things out without knowing what people were going to be feeling. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to cancel my later for two months. I'll come back to it because it's a great service. But right now I'm posting in real time anyways. And the free service allows me to post, post scheduled posts anyways. So certain things like that where you can downgrade. I downgraded, you know, my Squarespace site because I wasn't using all the pages. So there's certain things that like we're spending anyways that when we kind of sit back to look at it, we can see car insurance, right? So if you have a vehicle that you use for work, like nobody's driving right now, call your insurance company either for work or for, for personal, right? You can call and um, have them lower the mileage on the insurance plan and that'll lower your premium, right? So like go through every single line item in your expenses and identify like, is this something that can be cut from my budget and how would I do it? So I remember talking about, um, talking with you about uh, uh, accepting payments in advance, right? You try mm -hmm. to make it easier for, for the couples to, to pay you before, before the service. How do you feel about, because uh, I've, I've been seeing people saying that, you know, if you book now before the end of the month, you could get this rate and then there's no postponement or cancellation fee or anything like that. How do you feel about that? But before you even think about what your answer is, I'd love to quickly thank our friends from HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a CRM, which stands for Customer Relationship Management System. And that software helps us manage and organize our customers' data. Clients always comment on how fast we respond to their inquiries. Since HoneyBook is one of the only small business CRMs that has an app, we get an alert every time someone fills out our contact form and then we are able to send them a brochure right away. It all boils down to the customer experience. The more you make it easy for them, the more comfortable they will be in handing you their money. By eliminating that part of your business, you get to have your life back and your clients will get the experience that they deserve. Win-win. So if you use my referral link, you'll get 50% off on your first year. That's not all. I really want you to succeed. So once you become a member through us, you'll be getting a 30-minute phone call to answer your questions about anything, your business or HoneyBook. Just click on the links in the show notes. I'm so sorry. What was your answer to my question? I think anything to incentivize people to put money in the door is great. And an incentive like that, that's not like a discounted service. I think that's, that's wise because you're still getting that full price point as opposed to saying, you know, I'll give you 5% off, right? It's, it's really saying you get this price if you book within the next two weeks and otherwise it goes up. Um, I think also something people really should be considering is possibly taking a lower uh, initial deposit. I'm not saying that people should necessarily be... Um, doing any like providing any services until they have a little bit more paid but just to get that commitment like if you book within the next two weeks um you know we only need we only need a 300 deposit as long as you're able to commit within um the next two weeks 
put the next payment that gets you up to the 50% or create a monthly plan or whatever um, a month later or that sort of thing, right? But it's just to get that commitment. It makes them feel more comfortable as well because, because everything's a little bit off, people are a little nervous to part with too much money, right? So your down payment or your deposit is normally $5,000. That's gonna be hard to ask for somebody right now because they're like, well, what if my event gets canceled or postponed and then I'm out $5,000? If you can get 300, that makes them feel a little bit more secure and put them on a plan where they're not having to part with that much money over time. Okay. I think yeah. that's a perfect time to put the, the entry-level pricing too. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you, if you're a wedding planner and you only get $300, like don't, you don't touch that wedding until you have more money because as a wedding planner, you're doing so much work planning that I wouldn't, I wouldn't start until I at least got a quarter of it. Um, but you could always say like $300 guarantees your date. Um, I will start the planning of your wedding on June 1st, at which point I need to receive, you know, the additional 25%. Um, and then at that point, we're going to talk about your budget and your timeline and your venue and blah, blah, blah. Right. So don't execute any work, whichever segment of the industry you're on stationary design would be the same thing. Don't execute any work until you've received enough payment for the work that you're about to do. Okay. Yeah. I have one more question before we jump into the SBA loan. Oh yeah. The hot topic <laughs> of the day. <laughs> so my, my question is, um, have you ever seen, uh, different ways, unique ways that people have, have acquired, uh, customers during this time? Have you ever seen? Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean, this is so different from like the recession of 10 years ago. Um, you know, with that, the, the normal rules still applied. It's just that there were tighter budgets, right? Right now, we're just kind of making things up. Um, what I've seen within, um, what I think right now people can do is if they can provide solutions to people who are tired of thinking, they're going to, they're going to end up coming out on top, right? So um, as like, if you're in video or photography, right? Um, you could email all of your planners that you have good relationships with and all of the venues and say, Hey, I realize you have clients whose dates are moving out. I want to send you our availability for November, December, and January. And, um, if you, if you have a video photography, which, you know, whichever segment of the service that you fall into, um, that is not available, please keep us in mind. We want to help out your clients. Right. Um, so it's doing some of that legwork for people that are probably tired of them. Like if you're a planner and you've had to move five of your clients, you're looking for solutions. You're tired of thinking already. And so uh, a vendor uh, or a you know, professional that's coming to the planner or the venue with a solution is going to end up you know, coming out on top. And at the very least, you're being very proactive and thinking of them and people will remember you down the line, like even if that business doesn't convert immediately. So the best thing people can do right now is be generous with one another. Um, and to be quite honest, this is the time when the true professionals are rising to the top. You know, this is where we're seeing the planners that are really good planners, the venues that are really professional and, um, and generous and hospital and just good service providers. And, you know, and then all other segments, photography and video, 
anybody that's kind of being a jerk right now is going to be remembered to be quite honest. So like I said earlier, generosity coupled with survival for your business is going to be what comes out on top. I, I, I've been reading, I, I, I always see this quote from Mr. Rogers about, you know, when he said he was talking to his mom about all this crisis and his mom said, look for the helpers. I've I've always believed that after seeing that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. These are the people that give hope, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know that it's hard for a lot of people right now, but if you are doing your best work and showing your best face and trying to help each other out and going to your relationships and saying, Hey, how can I help you right now? Um, in fact, you know, that's not a bad idea. Like go to your top 30 people that you like working with in the industry and just send them an email and say, Hey, what do you need from me right now? How can I help you? You know, is there anything that I can do to bring you business or, you know, now's a great time to go around and also like give each other Google reviews, right? Somebody's going to remember that. Yeah. Um, so that kind of generosity, anything that you can do to be generous with your vendor community right now is going to come back over time. Oh yeah. It, it's good for your brand, right? Mm-hmm. It, I, I feel like this is like the best time to establish your brand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's all we can do right now is establish brand. <laughs> yeah. So which one? Oh, um, Bernie did have like a, a comment Ber- or two at the chat and then Kat, um, Katie. Raised okay. Uh, Bernie said, unfortunately, in events, 90% of our friends are also in the industry. So it seems so much worse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what we were talking about. We're in a bubble. And so we're thinking like, everyone is so crushed economically. And then I talk to somebody in the outside world and it's like, oh, your reality is so different. <laughs> One of my friends just got a huge promotion, you know? like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we have a we have a question from Kat before we hop on to the SBA. Yeah. Hi. Quick question. So in regards to the um, managing your cash flow, right? Um, paying your bills, all of that. Right now, um, BOE, your um, and also the federal and state taxes can be deferred to the end of the year. The payments just to have the cash flow. Do you? But even Oh yeah, the California yeah. state. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. do you still recommend paying them now, paying them later? Even if you have extra, would you pay them now, or would you rather have the cash flow? Right. I mean, cash in hand. With taxes, it's 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 a little bit different because I feel like you're just delaying the inevitable. Um, I would say that. For, for federal taxes. For federal taxes right now, we're just looking at three months. They've only given us an extension through July. And for federal taxes, for personal 1040 taxes, if it's a large amount, then you may want to hold off just to kind of see how it is. If it's like $1,000, then just pay it, right? Like, but if it's a larger amount, like hold on to it. If for Board of Equalization in California, you said that it's um, end of December for like sales. Is it sales tax? Is yeah, it's it a sales tax. I think. Oh, Yeah. We are able to defer the tax to 12 months. The thing is, we don't know until when is this going to end? When is our business going to get back to our previous income flow? So, yeah. Cash on hand in case in the next, you know, next 12 months, you you never know. You you might need the cash or just pay the tax out. (laughs) So, I think with payroll and sales tax, it's tricky because all you're doing is, 
you're holding on to money that's actually not yours. Like sales tax is actually the client gave you money. Like they, you, you charge them 10% sales tax, you hold it and you send it to the state. Like sales tax is not the business owner's obligation. So you're holding that money already. That's actually not yours. I would recommend most situations to actually pay the sales tax and pay the payroll taxes because otherwise you're going to get in a spiral where you're just owing so much money at the end of the day. If it was something else, like I'm saying, like if a loan will allow you to defer a payment or if it allows you to um, add it on to the life of the loan or your rent, right? Like there are landlords that are pausing on three months rent and then it just gets accumulated. Those sorts of things are going to allow you to like save, 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 save. But sales tax and payroll tax, I, I don't feel like you're really saving because it's not really your money. You're just you're holding on to money that never was really yours. And in my opinion, it's better to just get it out the door, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so now um, now we hop on to <laughs> our favorite topic, SBA loan. <laughs> so because yeah. speaking of like payroll taxes and sales taxes, you know, the, the government gave this SBA loan thing. And, and I was wondering... How do you feel about that? Yeah, so the SBA, something I want to say first is that the, the SBA is changing its um, its options literally by the minute, right? So um, any advice that you are getting from me or your tax account or your, you know, any sort of like expert in this area is only as good as like the, the minute that the SBA updates something, right? So my information is valid through Friday was the last time I looked at everything. And I don't think it's actually changed that much over the weekend, but last week there were literally changes every hour. So just know that whatever, whatever information or whatever advice you get from somebody, you actually need to find out what the SBA's current uh, explanation of all of this is. So right now the SBA has two options. The EIDL, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. So that is a $10,000 loan. In theory, you could apply for more. And it's called the loan. Some people have in the Facebook groups been calling it free money. It's not technically free money. <laughs> yeah. So don't get distracted by that. Um, the latest announcement last week after everyone was crazy about the free money was that actually um, what they were going to do was give a thousand dollars for each employee in the company, right? So you apply for this grant. And as long as you apply that thousand dollars to that person's payroll, it may be forgiven as long as you can show that. Okay. So that's the EIDL. The initial idea of that was that it was supposed to be immediate relief for people. The truth is it's not. <laughs> and so the idea was that you apply with SBA. SBA was going to get rid of the middleman, no banks, and they were going to send you the money into your bank account immediately. And it was up to $10,000. Everyone took that information and they interpreted it on their own. And um, there was a lot of information linking it a grant. And not entirely true. So again, make sure that you're the communication. It is something that you may want to apply for. My understanding is if you already know two weeks for this, 
may not get an EIDL loan at this point. one um, of the options. Okay, sorry, I think well, the paycheck protection program. Okay. Oh, I think you're, wait, our internet you guys might be a little slow. Hold on. Hold on. Let me see here. Uh, technical hello? difficulties. Hello? Technical difficulties. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. Hold on. Okay. It's kind of slow right now. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Can you hear us now? It is. Okay. Yes, I can. Okay. Okay, All right. <clears throat> okay good. So caught up. Um, so the other product is the Paycheck Protection Plan. And this one seems to, it's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster. So a couple weeks ago, they opened up the applications on the site. The applications were not actually through the bank. And so everyone had to go back and apply through their banks. The big major banks got so many applications through the door within you know 24 hours that many of them, Bank of America, Chase, Citi, Wells Fargo, had to close up their applications very quickly because they weren't they're not able to service every in the last few days there's been a lot of smaller banks that have said hey we're accepting applications some of them will only accept applications from current customers and some will accept current customers i'm going to share a list it's a huge spreadsheet that was put together by gusto showing the banks that are still accepting the ppp applications what the ppp is working is the idea is that you apply for this loan to cover two and a half months of your payroll expenses. If you apply the money towards payroll expenses, it may be forgiven, okay? You know going in that you're signing up for a loan and the terms of the loan I think are 1% interest paid over a year or two years. They kind of keep changing that number a little bit. Um, and then I'm assuming, <laughs> this is the big variable, Everyone is assuming that at the end of this window or at the end of the year, you're gonna go back and you're gonna show, this was my payroll, please forgive my loan. And so I think the idea behind that is the government wants people off of unemployment. So if they can show that people kept their jobs, the unemployment rate doesn't go into unemployment of 40%, right? And so they're trying to encourage people to keep their employees. So different banks have different policies. Um, with some banks, if you are a, a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, um, and therefore you pay yourself through equity draws, some banks say that won't work. We need to see an actual W2-941. Some banks are saying, yes, we will, look, we will consider that part of your payroll if you pay yourself as an owner's draw, okay? So you really have to kind of look and see what the bank is considering okay for employees. Some banks are saying that contractors are okay as employees, and some are saying, no, needs to be an actual W-2 earner, okay? Um, what I would encourage you is you start with wherever you normally bank. Um, if you're with one of the major banks, they may have already closed the application, and then start to see if you can um, get financing through another, a new bank. And, um, you know, they're going to want to look at like certain, you know, payroll documents and things like that. I found, I found the process pretty, pretty easy, but I think also it's because I'm used to looking at numbers all the time that maybe, maybe it's not. So you can't, you, you can't use me as a frame of reference of what's easier. <laughs> I think PayPal just got approved to give out. Loans. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. So that's the great news is so now we're starting to see PayPal, I think we're going to start offering um, Gusto. We're going to start offering. 
And so the bank that I ended up applying for, because I'm with Wells Fargo and I filled out their inquiry and they emailed me last Monday and they were like, we don't have any more applications. Go try another bank. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, a friend of mine sent me some expense service called Divi. They are working with a local Midwest bank called Cross River Bank. And I was able to apply through them. And I was notified this morning that um, my application went through. So um, it's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to post in the comments right now that list that will be great. of yeah, banks for everybody. And then I can also kind of share it in the Facebook. Um, That's here's um, the and this is awesome because Gusto has just been doing a good job of kind of crowdsourcing the information and updating this sheet with, with the names of the banks that are still accepting. Cool. Okay. We have another question. Yeah. Let me unmute you. Thank you. Um, quick question about the PPP. Is it only for sole proprietorship or does that include C-Corps, S-Corps? Because I applied oh, through yeah. Chase. And they said that we cannot accept your, so they, I, I got into the next level, right? To the next step. And then when I was filling up the application that they sent me, they said that I'm not qualified to do it right now because we're an escort. So I'm not um, Are you, are you organized as an escort or an LLC that files taxes as an escort? An escort. Okay. I think that you can apply as an S corp. Um, I haven't seen that. So this is an area where I would recommend going to like the main SBA site and finding what their classification is. Yeah, because I can't find that information. Okay, so here's how how this is how, how this is working. The SBA they have um, guidelines that they wrote this. Um, this law basically. And so those guidelines are then given to the banks. The reality is that the banks, they can't take everybody. And so the banks have had to come up with their own guidelines. And so some, um, the SBA uh, PPP has written uh, companies with less than 500 employees, but some banks are saying no companies less than 50 employees. Okay. So SBA has also said, um, you know, you, it can be owners that pull draws. It can be 1099 workers as employees. It can be then W2. That, these are all the people you can include in payroll. Some banks are saying, nope, only, whoop, <laughs> only payroll people, right? <laughs> so each bank is going to have its different rules that you need to make sure that it's basically so that they can create a pool that they can work with because they can't take 10 million applications. They may only be able to take 3 million and so they need to create a smaller uh, set of guidelines to work with their. So if your bank isn't um, accepting S-Corps, this is something that I'm not um, aware of. I would first go to the SBA website and see what the PPP says, if they will accept S-Corps. And, um, and then if your bank didn't accept, I would try applying with other banks because it may have just been a rule that your bank set up to make their pool smaller. I would okay. also ask, also ask your tax account because chances are they've, um, they've been navigating it with a lot of their clients and they'll be able to tell you whether you can apply or not. Yeah. It's just so confusing because they sent me the application, like the second, um, the second set of paperwork to fill up and upload your taxes and everything. 
And yeah. then when I was going through ha- halfway through it. They said, okay, you cannot go- move forward. And this is Chase. Oh. Business, so yeah. And so it may have just been their qualification. Uh, Cause I haven't yeah. heard that from other people that I know are S corps. Yeah. Um, Bernie is an S corp and they sent an application to him, but yeah, Bernie, let me know what your bank says. Um, if you decide to move forward with the application, yeah, and then I'll look into other banks too. Cause I think even if we don't need the cash right now, I just want to take advantage of the low interest just to have cash in hand in case God forbid this lasts for another two, three years. And on the third year, we might not have enough cash in hand and we don't want to pull out our retirement and save, you know, our investment accounts at that point because you know that after all of this that's when you will make a lot from your 401k from your stocks and bonds so yeah yeah that's how i feel i'm i you know you know me personally uh having that is a security if i need it and and then if you know ideally it'll just sit in a bank account and nothing will happen with it and you know and then if if at the end of the day they say i have Turn it great. I didn't touch it, right? But it was just a security blanket, if anything. Right. And that's that's how I'm seeing it, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. Before all the advantages go out of the door. So yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just popped in the most recent, um, you know, SBA page that has the guidance for um, the the PPP, um, SBA and and loan relief, and yeah, they're updating this all the time and see what they, you can probably get verification from your tax accountant too. Um, But yeah, so I do know that most banks are creating their own rules because they, you know, they can't, they just can't deal with the volume that, um, so it allows them to kick some of them out so that they just have less applications that they can process. Man, it's 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 crazy that even the banks and the government they really don't know what to do, and it's just you yeah, know it's just so scramble. confusing for everyone. Yeah, there you go. Cash That's perfect. Okay, um, so I know you have to go, but uh, <laughs> if there's one takeaway that you would want people to have from this interview, what would it be? Oh man, you know, I, I think the, I think people are realizing like how important it is to think about your finances. I, I think we've been really fortunate in the last five years um, because business has been so good that I don't know, not everybody in the industry takes the financial strategy piece that seriously. And I think people now realize how important it is to Think about your budget, how to create a cash flow plan, how important it is to know exactly what the cash is doing. Um, and, and so that takeaway is if you haven't sat down and really thought about the cash flow planning for the next, um, I mean, it's, it's not even to make it through the year. It's really to look out through 2021 at the end of the day and try to, you know, squirrel away ca- as much cash as possible. Um, that's kind of my, my big takeaway is for people to really, you know, get smart with that cash management. Perfect. That's well yeah. said. So if, if um, I would love it if you tell people how to reach you if they have any questions or, or if they're interested in your service. 
Yeah. So I'm at sagewedingpros.com, S-A-G-E, wedding, P-R-O-S.com. And you can find me there. And that's also my handle on social media everywhere, Instagram. And uh, yeah, reach out if you need help. I'm happy to help. I'm always a quick email away. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking with all of you. Thank you. Oh, well, hopefully, you know, after this interview, we helped a lot of people, I'm pretty sure. But hopefully for me, we get to figure out what we need to do with our finances. <laughs> but we really appreciate this. And I know you're a busy person. So thank you oh, so well, much, Thank you for having me with me. It's always fun talking with you. Thanks. Thank All you. Very helpful. That's the end of another great episode. I hope you picked something up from our guest. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out by emailing me at weddingbossness at gmail.com. If you're looking for bite-sized episodes that have a little bit more of straight-up information about running your wedding business, the Wedding Bossness YouTube channel just got a facelift. And now it doesn't only have the video interviews from the podcasts, it also has shorter, informative educational videos to help you hopefully answer your questions about your business and they're all free no catch i know there's so much information that was provided today so be sure to check out the show notes for the links down below special thanks to our guests for today and don't forget to visit their site after this episode always remember as leo babauta said simplicity boils down to two steps identify the essential and eliminate the rest. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again.